episode 191 of the HHH Racing Podcast is brought to you in part by the Adelphi Racing Club. The Adelphi Racing Club is a partnership in every sense of the word, not a syndicate, and our members are treated like partners, not investors. If you're interested in joining a club of like-minded individuals, like myself, and having a truly interactive ownership experience, we are the right fit for you. We take a fiscally responsible approach to horse ownership through our patient acquisition strategy, which offers partners a chance to compete at the highest levels of the game, while doing so in a responsible manner and allowing for long-term participation in the sport. Adolfi offers a variety of partnership options, including yearlings, two-year-olds in training, private purchase and claiming options, such as an arrogant cult out of the family of Audible and Governor Malibu, a beautiful tonalist filly out of a stakes place dam headed to the Clement Barn, and a hard-spun colt. Join the club today, and as you can see on the bottom of the screen, get in touch with racing manager Matt Cuter. And now, let's start episode 191 of the HHH Racing Podcast. <laughs> Hello and welcome to episode 191 of the HHH Racing Podcast. I'm your host, Howard Kravitz. Thank you so much for joining me on a very special night as we're going to be talking about a fantastic late pick five at Keelan featuring the QE2 stakes, as well as our special guest will be joining us, Ed DeRosa from Horse Racing Nation, and also later on from Hawthorne, race course we're very excited of course to have jim miller with us please make sure you subscribe on the bottom right hand side of the screen our subscriptions are going up every single day we'd really appreciate your support especially with the breeders cup coming up near that subscription button you can also smash that like button that thumbs up button they'll tell youtube it's a great show and also hit the notification bell because we have an unbelievable amount of podcasts coming up in the next few weeks and you're going to want to know when these podcasts will be showing up so hit that notification bell we greatly appreciate it of course you can uh, follow us on spotify apple Podcasts, and anchor you can listen there you can follow me on twitter on the bottom of the screen there and you can see my banner at h kravitz is my twitter handle and our guest has quite the twitter uh uh handle as well he's very excited to follow on twitter we'll talk about him in just a second and then, of course, you can follow me through my email on the scroll, hkravitzhorse at gmail.com. We have power picks. Look below the video player. If you want to win some money, a lot of money, our power picks have had spot plays at around $2.40. We have ABC pick four, pick five grids from all of our hosts and co-hosts on this show. And with the Breeders' Cup coming up, if you subscribe now, it is a month-long subscription. So go to patreon.com. You can see below or look below the video player. It comes every Saturday. It's only four bucks a Saturday. This is a great deal. If you're not familiar with your power picks, check it out. There are samples on our website, hhhracingpodcast.com. So go to hhhracingpodcast.com 
for more information. Also, as we mentioned, uh, Hawthorne Racecourse and Stable Duel are new sponsors of the HH Racing Podcast. We really appreciate their support. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I believe that, that actually one other thing that I want to talk about really quickly before I bring on our guest. We have an unbelievable show next Tuesday. Let me share with you what's happening. Next Tuesday, as you can see on the screen right there, we are going to have a handicappers Q&A. Again, mark your calendars. This is next Tuesday from our usual scheduled time, 8 to 9 p.m. EDT, EDT, as our, our guest gives me a thumbs up. Uh, Matt Bernier is coming on for a full hour to talk about any handy 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 questions you have. It's not really a Breeders' Cup show. If you have questions about how to play exactas, trifectas, pick fours, pick fives, some angles that are important to follow, no matter what track, whether you're a beginner or an advanced player, please come on to the show next uh, Tuesday night. Matt Bernier, we have him for the whole hour, ladies and gentlemen. So this is a show that you absolutely do not want to miss with Matt Bernier next Tuesday. Check it out. All right. I think we are about ready to bring on, um, first of all, let's bring on our co-host, who actually I'm not sure he's ready. Um, Paul Hallett will be coming on here in just a moment. Let's go ahead and bring on our guest. Um, and we'll bring on our co-host in a moment. Uh, Pete Visco, one of our co-hosts, if you've been watching the show, has been a bit under the weather. I told him to take the night off. He's still fighting that sinus infection. So it'll be my wonderful guest, Ed DeRosa, and co-host Paul Halloran. Let's bring on first our special guest. Uh, this gentleman has been on our show, I think one time, maybe twice, this is the second or third time. He's been on before with Scott Shapiro. Now we have him on by himself. He is currently the VP of Content and Product Development at Horse Racing Nation, which is a fantastic website that I read every single day. Let's bring him on right now. Without further ado, the one, the only, Ed DeRosa. Ed, how you doing tonight? What's up? I'm good, man. I got my rolling rock. So uh, I know know they're owned by Anheuser-Busch now, but growing up in Cleveland, that was kind of one of the OG craft beers out in Latrobe, Pennsylvania. So looking forward to talking some racing. Yeah, Ed, we really appreciate you coming on. We had your um, your your companion, uh, Sarah Albadwi, on a few weeks ago. Uh, she brought it, Ed. You've you got a heck of a person to follow. Sarah, honestly, was absolutely outstanding, to no surprise of anyone. Um, she, she's really a treat to work with, isn't she? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, going on, I'll be there a year right after this Breeders' Cup, and her year anniversary will be in January, and... When I look back at uh, just, you know, what we were doing together, starting to do together at the start of the year and, you know, some of the things we're looking forward to with Breeders' Cup and even over the summer with Saratoga and stuff accomplished together, it's uh, feels good to, to work with uh, someone younger. When I started in the business, was it Thoroughbred Times? I was 22 and people like Tom Law and Mark Simon, uh, just took the time to, to mentor me and give me an opportunity. And, and that's something that I've, you know, stuck with racing now going on 20 years that I've always said I wanted to pay forward and, you know, make sure I gave people young uh, opportunities like I have. And uh, Sarah has uh, repaid that uh, opportunity in spades. She's great. Yeah. Paying it forward. And 
unfortunately both had the misgivings of having a brutal beat on Sunday in the pick six. I don't know if you saw my tweets. I saw Sarah tweets. We both had the eight, which would have been 35 grand. And I of course had the third and fourth place finisher at in that race for, I would have paid 23 and 6,500. You got to move on, right? That's the the way the game goes. Just got to turn the page. I mean, I was a a tough one for us. No, that, that's a legit bad beat. I mean, I think, and we all were guilty ourselves, but yeah. I think we've all sort of been there, like, you know, complaints and marginal takedowns. Like, yeah, everyone goes through it. It's not really a, I mean, it's a bad beat, but I don't want to hear about it every day. But getting nosed out for, you know, three dimes plus after, you know, I mean, it was pretty logical. And then you connect with that bigger price. And I think that was the penultimate leg. So to, in her case, I didn't actually see your ticket. I knew you were live, though, by the end of it. But in her case, yeah. leaning on the right singles, getting the price in the right spot, and then to come up a no, no short for that kind of payout, unquestionably a bad beat. But, I mean, you just got to tell yourself when it, when they're going to they're go your way one of these times. Yeah, when it's a 52-1 to one apprentice, you know, jockey, that hurts. No, but anyway, and we're going to turn the page. We're going to turn the page. We're going to crush it this weekend and, and try Let's to do it. recover some of that money. Um, we got some fantastic viewers. Of course, Ed, you know how this goes. At the bottom of the screen, we some comments. We've got Penn State Scott uh, is here. And you're going to like this comment. This is from, you can read it. This is from Matt Miller, the BCBC champ. Look at that. A protein bar, protein bar in the shape of Tennessee. Wow. Uh, <laughs> have you ever had a protein bar in the shape of a state, uh, Ed? Yeah. I, I've done a lemon bar in the shape of Ohio, which I think might actually be my pinned tweet right now. Uh, the only thing that can make a, a protein bar shaped like Tennessee better is if he paired it with some black coffee. Wow. Okay. We got a question from uh, a t- team Bitcoin wants to know that he hit that like button. He wants to know if you're going to pay for it. <laughs> I don't know if you know <laughs> team Bitcoin or not, but. Uh, anyway. uh, I, I mean, there's a chance I probably do. I don't know okay. who is team Bitcoin, but uh, I'm okay. a Dogecoin man myself. <laughs> All right. Uh, we had my co-host Paul Halloran. Uh, he was in the background in the green room, but he didn't have his, he's actually just announced a, a high school football game. And now he's going to be coming on. So we'll get him on here. Thursday Night Lights? Uh, No, Thursday Night Lights. He's from Massachusetts. He does a great job with play-by-play. I I wanted to actually have Paul on for this, but I'm going to go ahead and and begin. Oh, there is Paul. We got Paul. Paul Howell, give me a thumbs up if you can hear me in the background there, Paul. All right, we're going to bring on uh, straight from Massachusetts, covering high school football and now covering uh, horse racing from the Saratoga Special Ed, my co-host, Paul Halloran. Paul, how you doing? Are you driving? I would never anything I can to be on with Ed DeRosa. It's rainy. We had the football game. We were one point away from running time in the third quarter, and the goddamn kid missed the extra point. (laughs) I am not missing a chance to talk to the great Ed DeRosa. Ed, how are you? I'm doing well, man. Yeah. So so what is there like? Is running time the, the mercy rule of football that if you're up enough, they just run the clock? Yeah, they, the National Federation, which Massachusetts just joined last year, Ed, uh, if you're up 42 in the third quarter at any point or 30 at any point in the fourth quarter, it runs and it doesn't stop again, you know, even if the margin goes under that. So we were in the unfortunate spot of being at 41 in the third quarter. Okay. Wow. So, All right. But well, guys, listen, in any I event... Want- we're, we're good. We're good. Okay. 
Guys, I wanted to talk about one thing that I hadn't planned on until I watched Keeneland today. And I want to get serious for just a moment. And when I when I knew that both of you were going to be on today, um, I thought this would be a perfect time just to talk for two minutes. So Keeneland um, had Make-A-Wish Day today. And I think it's fantastic that Keeneland recognizes children, you know, that have had some physical issues or, or special needs and whatnot. And Ed, you've been very candid on Twitter, very proud, as you should, about the milestones and capstones uh, with your son, EJ. I have two nephews that are on the autism spectrum, which I haven't talked about in the show at all, Andy and Jason. They're actually about the age of Paul's daughter. And just very quickly, uh, you, don't, you guys don't have to get into any details at all, but I do want to give you a moment just to recognize Keelan, um, who is recognizing children that have disabilities or special needs and the wonderful job that they did today. Ed? Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, I, I, I never know, for whatever reason, it's never like on a calendar I look at. So it's always a, a pleasant surprise. Oh, today's Make-A-Wish Day. And, uh, you know, TVG, FanDuel, uh, getting in on it and being a partner with the content they create to tell you about the kids and their families. And, uh, you know, I empathize, I sympathize. I am one of those families. And, you know, for those who have ever wondered if organizations like that really make a difference, uh, I can assure you that they absolutely do. And it takes more than just the organizations to do it. It takes places like Keeneland and TVG FanDuel and, you know, all the, the corporate sponsors that buy in and donate not only their money, but their time and expertise. I mean, those those videos of those kids, that's professional grade, like what jockeys get before the Breeders' Cup. And for families to experience that and to, to see that people care about their kids and what they're going through means the world. Paul, I don't know if you want to comment at all on either Keeneland or any anything personal with you you certainly don't I don't mean to put you on the spot Paul but go ahead oh no I'm I, no I'm, I'm happy to it's 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 one thing I, I have in common with Ed as as you know how I have uh, I'm on the way home I I have a 23 year old daughter Martha who is uh, uh, has autism she is uh, nonverbal though she manages to get her get her points across uh, very well she only talks when she wants something and I've always felt that if more people did that would be better off. Uh, but uh, hats off to Keeneland. And I fortunately, I did, I did cover the four goal this year and kind of got into the Cody's wish story. And, you know, we didn't publish the next day with the special. So I had some time and I talked to uh, Cody Dorman's dad and actually managed to send him a couple of questions that he was good enough to ask Cody, who answered through his tablet. So I actually had wow. Cody quoted in the Saratoga special, which which oh, was wow. a big thrill for me, and uh, was happy to send him a Saratoga special hat in the mail. And he will be at the Breeders' Cup rooting on his favorite horse. So, yeah, certainly, as Ed said, you know, I think those type of stories resonate with everyone. And for those of us who are uh, you know, who have this role as parents of special kids like that, they resonate even more. Paul, very well said. And, and uh, you know, we wish, uh, you know, your your sons and daughters and anyone else out there who has a child with special needs. I'm in education, that is, I think, you know, I've been a high school math teacher for 26 years and I don't teach special ed, but certainly I've worked with many kids of many variety of issues. And I just think it was worth mentioning. Uh, tonight that we need to do no, thank you we, 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 be very, we need to be very thankful for what we have at and be appreciative <laughs> of all these great you know milestones that that these uh children uh can get to because it's awesome 
Uh, it sort of makes you missing a pick six. Like, who cares? You know, when you think about that, it really is completely inconsequential in the big thing. Um, what's not inconsequential is a question from PDT. And then we're going to get right to the handicapping. Quick HNR update, domestic spending. He was back on the work tab. I haven't heard anything about him going to the Breeders' Cup. I'm guessing he's not. Do you have any updates on domestic spending yet? Uh, I don't. I mean, just kind of knowing Chad's style, I have to think they kind of feel like they're probably out of time. Um, yeah. You know, I, I would say you're looking at a race, I think right now, like Warlike Goddess would probably be the favorite. So you could probably make a case for if that's how deep <clears throat> it is, not – taking anything away from her but you know it's not yeah. exactly enable or conduit coming over uh no. you know maybe you would say well take a shot if he's ready but a mile and a half in this situation uh my thought would be they're, they're probably already looking ahead to the pegasus turf yeah it, it it looks that way and we hope he gets back to the work tab last uh, question before we hand to, you oh, go ahead, PDT's point it's not up to me to say that we should ask chad and get the skinny. So uh, sure, we're going to make Absolutely. it happen at HRN for PDT. Okay. Last, just real quick question. Tell everyone I introduced you, of course, what you do for HRN. What's new with Horse Racing Nation? What do you do on a day-to-day -day basis, Ed? Uh, we're, we're pretty fo <coughs> Excuse me, fo focused. Now that we're Breeders' Cup, all the winning earrings are done, just the one grade one race left. Uh, definitely a shift to Breeders' Cup specific stuff. So less product development and now it's content time. Uh, you know, we're not as in the lab as much, so to speak, but over the last six months, um, Mark Midland, Sarah Bodwe and I worked on, you know, the big thing I'm really proud of is getting the first timer report out there, which is a rating system for debut runners. And uh, just in general, uh, that's a big focus of mine is the product development for handicappers uh, we already have the PPs are out there, DRF, Timeform US, Brisnet, whatever your flavor is, I think it, it checks the boxes. So we're not looking to get into that business, but I, I think there's so much more you can do with the data that for better or worse, I wish it was available to everyone and it wasn't a situation where you need sort of a third party to help you out with products like in the other major sports, it's much more user focused. Racing's not that way but HRN is trying to make stuff more accessible. And that was uh, the opportunity I pursued when I went there. So if, if anyone has any ideas of, hey, I, I wish there was this out there, I wish there was this way of ranking horses or this data point, uh, we're the ones that can hopefully help make it happen. So my uh, inbox is always open. Yeah, and, and they've been very accessible. I Like I said, I go on HR Nation literally every day, Ed. It's, it's my main go-to. So you guys do a great job there. Let's yeah, get we, on. We, we did just add uh, uh, speed ratings to our horses page. And, you know, we see all the traffic. We know people love looking up horses, whether they're running now or they just like looking back and reminiscing. It's sort of like a Wikipedia for each individual horse. And uh, we, we did just add speed ratings there. So that's kind of a, a fun little rabbit hole that I've enjoyed going down. And uh, I know how horse players and race fans are. I think other people enjoy uh, checking it out, too. Yeah, check out every all the information they have there. It's gonna be one of my uh, main, like I said, go-to uh, websites for you know Breeders' Cup information. All right, guys, let's jump in to the pick five, Paul. I don't know if you can see your picks or if you're just gonna be commenting and piggybacking on what we said. Yeah, gonna be, you're gonna be home soon, Paul. Yeah. What, what, what? We can't yeah, even see yeah, Paul, let alone his picks. Yeah, no, we, which is a 
and which is a break for everyone, Ed. Uh, yeah, how you go right ahead. When I get home, I'm going to log off for two minutes just to run in the house, and then I'll be back. But you go right ahead. I, I'll, it'll all come back to me, as the song says. Okay, no problem. We'll, we'll keep you on air then. We, we, we hear your voice. That's all that's important to me as of right now. All right, guys, let's go ahead and bring on um, the Aquabase, and then we'll go to the PPs for this fantastic pick five on Saturday uh, at Keeneland, Ed. It starts in, and you're going to see our picks, of course, scrolling on the bottom of the screen here. And there they are right there. And, Ed, you're always going to go first as our uh, special guest yeah. tonight. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it starts in, by the way, before we get to our picks, I'm just going to forewarn everyone. I went a little off the rails tonight, guys. I, I, And it's not because of the picks. I'm not chasing after bad money, Ed. I thought this was a fascinating sequence. And, boy, I thought there were a lot of bad favorites. I, I, I'm going price shopping even more than normal, Ed. And I know you love a price horse just as much as I do. And you're also uh, very willing to take chalk when necessary. I yes. thought this sequence, Ed, had some lower morning lines. And I think Nick Tamro is doing a great job, by the way. I, there are some horses I just don't like at all that seem obvious. So let's just right. jump in. Uh, I'm looking forward to, to hearing who because I, I actually – thought this was maybe a little more straightforward than most okay. people would like on a okay. Saturday afternoon card at Keeneland. Now the collection of races, I think is interesting. Uh, you know, we have the, the two-year-old turf mile race. That's kind of, you know, fun. Uh, obviously yeah. the grade one, there's a sprint allowance race. It's worth what? 110,000 that yeah. has, you know, just looking at the, the pace ratings, very little speed. I mean, normally you'd think, man, they're running for this kind of pot going six at Keeneland. You'd think there'd be a little gasoline in there, and, and there's not. So it's it's an interesting collection of races. Uh, unfortunately, I, I kept finding myself landing on who I think others will land on, so I'm not as excited about that. But um, I, I do think vertically there's some opportunities, and we'll get to that when we get to the QE2. Okay, let's jump into it. The first race, uh, race six, about 340 Eastern, you see on the screen, it's a main special weight, 100K in the kitty. It's a mile and a 16th for three-year-olds and up on the dirt. So this can be a first-line finish, if you're not familiar with that. So they don't have quite as long in the stretch. You see the field here. There is a big morning line favorite, the number seven, Sunny River for Cox and Giroux. And added that is you're going to go with uh, to kick off this uh, pick five. I did, yeah. Um, and, and I mentioned earlier, and, and I know you said uh, you're a, a formulator guy, which there is as well. It's formulator gal, I suppose, but you both use formulator. Uh, I, I'm on Brisnet, which there's a clear distinction on the Brisnet PPs uh, that Sunny River has a, a rating edge there. Okay. I actually thought that was kind of interesting. I, I don't look at the PPs first. I know a lot of people probably start at that point. There's a couple data products that I like diving into first to get a survey of the race uh, before I jump in to the actual paper copy PPs and see speed figures. I thought my initial pass that Sunny River and Forever After All were much closer talent wise. It's, you know, I test on the other stuff. And then I looked at this and saw, oh, Sunny River is clearly faster, according to Brisnet. More importantly, though, uh, even though she is a shorter price, which which I don't love, I, I really wish I could have made a stronger case for taking the longer price. But as you noted, this is that sh short stretch configuration, mile and a 16th. 
And I think Sunny River just has uh, the, the type of running lines that tell me she's going to get the jump on Forever After All. And with that short stretch, uh, I fear that Sunny River is going to be gone. So as always, the, the tote board is going to be the final arbiter. And it is the start of the pick five. So, you know, for this race, you do get to maneuver a little bit based on how you think the or based on how you know the odds are going to go come post time. But Sunny River to me at, at eight to five on the morning line, I, I think is actually fair. Um, and because of that short price, I, I'm not going to be looking to, to spread too much. Now, for the purposes of this, the one ticket I, I did give, and I'm a multiple ticket guy, uh, I am deeper in here because I love my single late. Like I, I wanted to, for this ticket, I wanted to give the single that I liked best in the sequence. So I am deeper here, but I, I will have other tickets full disclosure the way i play that single sunny river to start things off okay and uh paul just in case you can hear me paul i muted you just as he's getting out the car we don't need to hear all the peripheral noise uh sweet lady ivanka you've gotten third uh big time closer i guess the main question ed um is there enough speed to set it up you've got early speed of uh inventing you would think would go a little bit for rapoli and then you also have the number three fine cotton who they both have early speed, but not the kind of speed, obviously, that Sunny River has. Is it possible we could see a pace collapse, or would that would that shock you? Uh, I guess shock is is a pretty strong word, but uh, I do have a bet. I made a, a a prop bet. I love prop bets, and and I okay. hate that racing hasn't embraced it as part of the sports betting landscape. But I made a, a bet with a, a Twitter buddy of mine, Thunder Dan. Uh, a great horse player. And I have Brian Hernandez flat bet profit under at Keeneland this meet. So I'd love to see sweet lady Ivanka for that purpose, bring an upset here and pay $20. Okay. Uh, but she does have two things working against her. The one you mentioned definitely pace. I mean, I, I think if there's any sort of collapse or, you know, the, the speed comes back to the field that benefits forever after all more than it does sweet lady Ivanka. Yeah. Uh, and then just number two, there's the speed ratings I'm looking at. She's not as fast as the others, but this is her two turn debut. She's kind of gone that funky turn and a half at Ellis, but yeah. she's by candy ride out of a Bernardini mare. So maybe the two turns helps wake her up a little bit. Kenny McPeak's been a, a little chilly at the meet so far, but uh, he, he can spring with these types. I did pick her second just cause I like the 10 to one morning line. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Listen, Sunny River is the horse to beat. I mean, I'm not really saying anything that we don't know. Three old fillies can be fickle, Ed, as you know. Maybe not as much at this time of year. But that I, I didn't uh, I didn't really see many excuses for forever, forever after all other than she was in the three path. But, you know, she didn't really have many excuses. I'm just sort of tossing that last race out. She doesn't have a work since. That's slightly concerning. But I think there is enough speed. I think forever after all can get a nice trip. And that last race was just too hard to believe. And if I'm going to get seven to two on forever after all and four to five on the seven, I'll go ahead, you know, and, and take the eight and take my chances. One horse I want I to agree. Mention, yeah. One horse I want to mention out there. That's a complete wacko horse that I don't, that I think is interesting. I just want to talk about this one just for a second. Oma the great Rudy Brissett, Flavian Pratt. Okay. She's done absolutely nothing in her first two starts. However, <laughs> it's a, this is a new acquisition for uh, for Brissett. And these works are very good. These works are at the Windstar Training Center, in case people are not familiar with that WSR. She's got some really nice works. 
She's bred very well just by tapping out of a violence mare. She's got Flavian. This is just the kind of horse that, that I would throw it underneath at like maybe 15 to 20, 21, maybe even bigger. I, I don't like the, I, I don't like the three in here. In, inventing's going to take a lot of money at it. It's interesting. Neither one of us have this horse in the money. This is a Pletcher horse who has no works at all since her last win. She's coming here to Keeneland. This, this four I'm just totally against. I, I don't know why. It's just a really bad vibe. Ed. I guess you agree because you don't have her in the top three either. I mean, I guess, you know, one of the positives you could say is uh, that Todd Pletcher ran her as a maiden in the acorn and she was three to one. Now, part of that, if those who remember, uh, you'll see it's a four horse field and she finished fourth. Uh, there was a scratch. Echo Zulu scratched at the gate. Right. Um, so that kind of completely revamped the board without much time to adjust. Nevertheless, she was in there. I'm sure Todd thought, oh, maybe we can sneak in some grade one black type. It didn't happen. Five to two. I mean, I I guess Nick saw Todd and and Sia's had a great day today, Wednesday. Um, Those are connections that take money. But on paper, I'm completely with you. She just does not stack up to any of the Phillies we talked about. No. And so again, just uh, Paul, I know you were off. I thought the one was a crazy bomb. That was interesting as a new acquisition for Brissette and Pratt. Paul, I don't know if you're settled in, but really quick, you have the four on top that Ed and I are completely against. What is it you like about the four? Is it just the connections, Paul? Well, that and, you know, I, I thought Ed brought it. I'm kind of with Ed in general in the sequence. I, I, I found myself forcing myself to look for some type of value. I mean, obviously the seven does have the numbers, but you know, uh, yes, the, the connections and the fact that I, I think the horse <laughs> might drift uh, a little higher than that, just because I do okay. think the seven's going to take money in the eight. So it was strictly a contrarian play. I will admit that. Okay. Appreciate, appreciate your honesty. Let's go on to the next race guys. Uh, the next race I thought was really difficult to me because there's not a lot of horses you can trust in this race. You see our picks on the bottom of the screen. Let me go ahead and make this bigger. Race seven on uh, Saturday, Keeneland. They're going two turns. This is a ma- another main special, $100,000. This is for uh, the babies, two-year-olds. Like I said, they're going one mile uh, for the boys. You can see it's a big field. And there is a horse, the number 14, I want to mention on the AE list. Because that is the horse that Ed is going with on top. Of course, we have no idea, unless Ed's got some special information, uh, if the 14 Miranda Wrights is going to get in. The Moorline favorite in the main body of the field is the number 11 Ashcroft, a 3-1 for Ward and Irad. But, Ed, you're going with the 14 if the 14 gets in Miranda Wrights for Cassie and Adam Bishiza. I am. I, I've, uh, I'm a proponent that any time – you're drawing off the AE list. That's usually other than MTOs, um, you know, when your surface change situation, but I think there's some value to a horse drawing in. I think it gets less and yet less as the years go by and there's more computer players and things like that. But, you know, and I haven't seen how the form is, has paginated, Saturday's races yet, but you know, a lot of times you get the AEs on the last page that people don't turn to, whatever. I really do think in in the grand scheme of things, there's a little bump. Uh so whenever I kind of like an AE, 
that's always in the back of my head. And and this one, I wish the numbers came back a little quicker, but Constitution out of an into mischief mare, getting the two turns at seven furlong race at Kentucky Downs, while probably plays closer to seven and a half between the way they set up the gate and the uphill and all that, uh, certainly isn't a two-turn mile, which is what we get here. Uh, and Adam Biskitza getting back aboard. Uh, I like, uh, I call it the Frank Gangs jockey angle because he loves when a, a rider comes right back and rides a, a turf race after doing well in a turf race. Uh, the negative, though, is uh, the Biscuit and Mark Cassie are 0 for 23 together uh, going back uh, to the summer months. So okay. not necessarily a nick that clicks with a leg up. Uh, but at four to one, if this one draws in, uh, I just think the the two races we've seen from him so far sure. uh, are certainly capable, and and four to one's a fair price. And Paul, how many turns is that seven for a long configuration? <laughs> Kentucky Downs? No, it's the hills. We count the hills. The hills, sorry, hills plus <laughs> but, turns. Um, undulations. And how do you deal? How do you deal with the Kentucky Downs for? I mean, it's always tricky. Some horses love it. Some horses don't. Do you give special credit? To a horse that runs well over Kentucky Downs, if they do poorly, do you just totally toss? I mean, what's your general vibe with the horses coming out uh, of Kentucky Downs? You know, going into the Keeneland meet, I would have said uh, it's a big thumbs up uh, through the years. Uh, and I should kind of say through the recent years uh, since the Johnsons took over and, and now it's with the wind chills. But, you know, it, it had it come up with. Uh, the machines coming in and the lowering takeout and the the crowd, you know, the horse players really responded to it over the last, what is that, five or seven years, I guess. Um, Shippers out of Kentucky Downs, the short meet, have done very well. That has not been the case this year, actually. Uh, I think they were winless at Keeneland opening weekend. Uh, I'm not sure about today. There's only the one turf race, and and I forget uh, where that horse had come from, but Churchill, which granted was dirt, but even last year, the all dirt meet, there were some Kentucky Downs horses who came back and went turf to dirt and did well. Uh, they they outperformed their odds. That has not been the case this year. Still a small sample size, but if you would ask me this question literally a year ago to the day, I would have said, oh, you got to consider the Kentucky Downs horses. You know, if, if they're at a price, second off the layoff, especially blah, blah, blah. I would I would say it's a big boost to already established angles. I do not feel that way this year uh, through what are we four weeks of of Churchill plus Keeneland. So yeah. a little okay. trepidatious, but you know, it, it, four to one that that's I'm playing the horse just based on what we've seen on paper. I'm certainly not factoring KD negatively or positively in this case, but it, it's something I'm going to be watching through this weekend and and maybe find much more actionable going into next week. Okay, real quick, uh, Tom Espinoza, uh, the answer to the question, and and I need to read these, Ed, because we people listening later are not going to actually see the screen. The question is, in the Breeders' Cup Friday or Saturday, do any of these races use the short wire, the first line finish? Tom, the answer is yes. Both the juvenile dirt races, the, the Phillies and the Colts, that's a mile and a 16th, they're both going to be first-line finishes. So that's something we got to keep in mind. And our other wonderful co-host, uh, Pete Bisco, says hello to everyone. He's got a raspy voice. And, incessant and the dirt mile. Sniffling. And the dirt mile, thank you. And the dirt mile also. And and we don't want to, Pete to have to deal with that. Paul, let's quickly just talk about our top picks, and we're going to move on. You've got another uh, Kentucky Downshipper, the number four Worthington for Maker and Gap Leone. 
Yeah, well, they come out of the same race, but two notable except uh, uh, differences here. Last time, the 14 had a much better post. He was in the f- uh, five, and, and this four was, was out all almost all the way to the outside. And, you know, uh, no problem with Pesquiza, uh, as Ed mentioned, on the 14. But on turf, I, I would say Santana de Gaffleone is a significant upgrade, not necessarily on dirt, but on turf. So I like those two changes. I think the four gets the trip. I hear what Ed's saying, although Churchill, we really can't uh, judge because there was no turf for them to go run to coming off Kentucky Towns this year. But uh, I I think uh, the 4 and 14 are both very playable. Who knows if the 14 gets in, but I just think the 4 gets the better of it this time uh, due to better post and uh, upgrade and jockey on turf. Okay. Um, I I have the uh, the 12 on top. Sorry, Uh, Giovannino. We're not going to... Um, show a replay of this, but um, I thought he ran okay. It says like four wide. He got a pretty decent trip. He had to sort of split horses. I thought it seemed very much like a prep race to me. I don't think Chris Davis really cranks up his horses, guys, first time out. The horse is working bullets. He's got Drew's on. I like Giovanino a little bit here. I, I'm not a big fan of Ashcroft. I know I've got him second, Ed, and you've got him second, but I mean, Wesley Ward doesn't usually run a horse first time in April and then take this much time off and she is uh, he is bred to go long on the turf though i i didn't have a real positive feel with this 11 i thought uh, in general that he'd be over bet but i i suppose yeah that's one of those hold your nose for sure uh i'm glad yeah. you mentioned the 12 uh i'm gonna have to take a deeper look uh but i will say uh that indiana debut seven and a half uh that is two turns at horseshoe yeah. indianapolis but uh you know, it's a seven, I think it's a seven and a half furlong uh, yes. course there. So it's a short run into the turn. And this horse yeah. was in post nine of nine, uh, but took some money that day, 4.2 to one and passed horses late. Uh, you yeah. might be onto something here. Well, he had to be used a little bit to get into the first turn. He got a decent trip, but um, the other horse I just want to mention real quick, we're going to move on, is the five, my sanctuary. And I believe I, I saw – no, I thought someone – actually, one of you guys has this five in your pick five, if I recall. Ian Wilkes does not win first time out, but this horse is bred really well by Temple City out of a belong to me uh, mare and, and and has some you know pedigree, including a Minnesota bred named Stitzy who actually won over you know $205,000. So the five – I don't know if the five can run at all, but if the five takes some sneaky money, guys, I'd be a bit interested in the five. I'm totally against the seven six missions. I'm not sure that he wants distance out of a half hours um, there, but I don't know. It, it's a tough race, guys. Um, yeah, let's, let's I mean, with go ahead, Ian go Wilkes, uh, man, I, I love the guy. I always hate being negative, but yeah. uh, just between the way he's been going in general the last few months and then his first-timer numbers, yeah, this would be a surprise. But I mean, like you said, then you look up at the board and six to one and you think, oh, there, there's something here. So um, lean on those that you trust that know body language and can kind of handicap a horse on the track, because if this one is taking money, I'd want that kind of insight for sure. Yeah, I just mentioned because I'm really not a fan of anyone in this race. I mean, who knows? This is one of these you know, grab bags. Um, yeah. Let's go to race eight, guys, uh, so we don't take up too much time here. Ticker on the bottom of the screen. This is an allowance race. I think this is the one that Ed was referring to earlier in the show. Uh, six furlongs, older fillies and mares. 
non-winners of two races, not non-winners of two other than, just non-winners of two, which is interesting in the condition. The number, the, the favorite here is the number two. Cancel this for Romans and Garcia. And Ad, I got to tell you, I we'll have to have a debate on this one because I just, I, I'm not a big fan of this horse at all. But what the hell do I know? I'm sure you're probably right and I'm wrong. What do you like about cancel this? That's your top choice. I, I like I alluded to when we got into the the pick five. I'm shocked at the lack of speed, uh, you know, for a sprint race for this kind of money. Uh, looking at the the Bristnet PPs, and and I'll probably ask someone to to give me a peek at the pace projector to to see what Craig's numbers think. Uh, like normally a race like this, you're going to see a filly or two, a filly or mare capable of a triple digit early pace rating on the Brisnet scale. And that is just not in play here. There's one Philly, you're so silly, who's done it once. And uh, that was two back. And uh, she got she got the dub last out. Uh, but it's coming back now on, on short rest, relatively yeah. speaking, off yeah. a lifetime best. Yeah. I've not looked at the Ragazins yet. Um, when it comes to like, oh, is there going to be a bounce? I, I'm much more likely to trust kind of the read off the sheet than I am just standard uh, speed figures like Bayer or Brisnet. Sure. But paper handicapping, that was a concern with her. Uh, it, it just seems like cancel this, going to get the right trip, inside uh, draw. Uh, hopefully Martine's a, a little aggressive because this is the type of race, if you think you're going to cat and mouse a horse, uh, or, you know, kind of sit chilly and make a move, uh, I think you're going to find yourself spinning your wheels, turning for home. So okay, aggression gets the job done. I just hate that I ended up on the two to one. That's the one I hope does it. Um, Paul, I think we're all, all three of us are thinking alike, which is I'm assuming why you and I are both going with ain't broke at four to one with Relu, who has not uh, been on the track since March at fairgrounds but is working very well for an excellent trainer and Brett Calhoun who can get a horse off a layoff and you'd figure Ray Lou's going to be aggressive and maybe uh, wire the field, Paul. Is that what you were thinking? Is that, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. I was kind of thinking like you, Howard, and I try not to pay too much attention to the, the morning line, but I, I was thinking that I didn't want any part of the two as, as a two to one favorite. So then I went, look, and then I started thinking like Ed with the speed and, you know, who knows coming off the layoff, but he does have a, a bullet in there. Uh, Calhoun is good off the layoff. Uh, he hasn't won yet at, at the meet, very short sample. Uh, but uh, I do agree with you, Howard. I think Ray Lou, especially from inside, will be very aggressive. And I do think there's a chance he sends right to the lead. Yeah, Charles B. agrees with you. Uh, by the way, our great uh, co-host, Pete Visco, <laughs> there's your stat ad for uh, Wilkes. Uh, Pete's sort of our stat guy, uh, 0 for 40, first time with Rouse. Yeah, uh, again, I'm not saying like. my sure he's going to win. I'm just curious to see sort of what he does. Sure, um, no, absolutely. The, the two is one for 12. He can win, Ed. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, excuse me, she can win. I'm going to use her underneath. But this one for 12 off of a career top is just an angle that, ooh, I, just, I don't like either one of those things. I want to mention the four, Napa Candy. This would be my price play. Now, I know there's not a lot of speed in this race, but something that I noticed, guys, I'm going to full screen for Vicky Oliver. Take a look at the work tab of Napa Candy really carefully, who's eight to one, number four. Okay. I'm going to go back to her previous works, which I almost never do. Hopefully, everyone can see this on the screen. You can see in the summer, 
she really had pretty slow works back at May, Keeneland. You see pretty slow works. There's one breeze, 47.4 at Keeneland. But in general, guys, if you look carefully, it's really pretty slow breezes, even up to her last race, was just a maintenance breeze in 38. But take a look as I go back to the uh, the main works. Take a look recently. All of a sudden, bullet, maintenance, another nice work, another bullet, another bullet. Maybe I'm reading too much into this, guys, but she's faced nice horses. She was in the Indiana Oaks. I think Bayerano is going to show more tactical speed. Add in a race where I just don't love the two. I don't really like the five who's coming in from the West Coast from a 12-day layoff with no works. This just seems like the kind of race, again, sort of like the first one where I'm meh on the favorites. Napa Candy? Why not, Ed? Uh, yeah, why not? I, I, I'm always nervous. <laughs> not a bad, it's a, hey, you can hate my picks, Ed. It's okay. <laughs> I'm always nervous in a race like this where there's no speed because, to me, you, you can have a horse, and this is one that's – I'm doing a quick survey. Sure. Well, actually was was on the lead in the career debut and, and faded yeah. to second. But, um, yeah. you know, in, in general, any of these horses with an aggressive ride when, you know, maybe a couple are going the wrong way. You have a couple that had a lifetime top. We've mentioned two of those. You have you a know, six off another short layoff. There's just a, lot a little of, lot of gas. Uh, you know, your pick know. coming off the layoff. So yep. Napa Candy, Bayerano gets jiggity, just sends. And it, it wouldn't take much for her to to run a little faster than she does early. And you might say, oh, well, you know, that takes her out of her game. She'll run out of gas late. But, you know, if the others aren't with her, when you turn for home, you can get brave. And I'm just not going to talk you off an eight to one. I, I mean, she's she's not I just for find me. The, but... the work pattern to me that is fascinating. I just like out of nowhere, she's working well. Maybe I'm reading too much into it. I don't no, know. Yeah. Um, let, I, I, I find her in shake. Let's go on to the uh, next race, guys. Now, the next race, of course, is the feature. This is the QE2. This is the one that everyone's really going to be waiting for all day long. Uh, it's a grade one um, presented by Dixiana. $600,000 is the purse. Let me go ahead and switch over the banners, guys, to our picks there on the bottom of the screen there. $600,000 is the purse. They're going a mile and eighth, of course, on the turf. It's a select field. It's not the best QE2 that we've seen at. I think we'd probably all admit that. You got a Moorline favorite who's very good. Three old Philly McCulloch for a Chad Brown who's got another one in here, Gino Romantica. Uh, but Irad is Ryan McCulloch. Uh, we are actually, you and Paul are both going with this very nice Philly on top. Yeah. Uh, this is another case of, you know, it, it could be, it'll be interesting to see if. We get some aggression where maybe we weren't expecting it uh, because there's there's just not a lot of uh, obvious early speed. Um, I do like that McCulloch, even though I don't excuse me, I don't think she'll be on the lead. Uh, that would be a surprise, but she's certainly capable of, of laying close. And and I don't think Irad's going to let anyone get away from him um, with McCulloch, who's a, a worthy favorite. Um, I see her as a, a I would have said a, a pretty strong single, if not for how I feel about the last race. But um, I have a pretty strong wagering strategy here that I 
going to play McCulloch to run the race I expect her to. Uh, and then I think California Angel, as whether she's 15 to 1 or not at the end of the day in, in the wind pool, she is absolutely the, I think, fifth choice of seven, maybe even the sixth choice. And to me, she's as likely as any uh, to run underneath McCulloch. So, uh, you know, on top, I don't have anything clever or sexy taking the Chad Brown chalk. Uh, but California Angel, to me, is is the play of this race underneath. I think she's fascinating. George Leonard's doing a great job. It's it's a really cool story. We don't have time to get into his story. But uh, mm-hmm. I'm sure she's pointed to this. I mean, she, you have to be invited. But then, you know, I'm sure she's cranked up and ready to go. Paul, you're going to go with the six also. And, Ed, I'd like you to quickly comment. You've got the seven and second, Paul, Paris Peacock, who I have to admit, usually I watch replays and I deep dive that. I want, for full disclosure, everyone at home watching and listening, I did not do a deep dive on Paris Peacock. She won a grade three last time over yielding turf at at Gowron Park in Ireland, which is a smaller track, although she has run at Leopardstown in the Curra. Paul, is this just sort of a fresh face kind of angle for you for a second, or do you have some intel you want to share? I have no intel. Okay. Uh, I do think, though, uh, you mentioned it, Howard, at the beginning. This isn't the strongest rendition or yeah. edition of this race. Uh, it's a Euro coming off two in a row. Jessica Harrington is a good trainer. Uh, you, you know, I, I'm I'm all with McCulloch, but uh, as far as someone to, to come under, if, if the Euro runs second, it's, it's going to be no surprise to me. And I will say that I had California Angel in that Jezzamine last year, so – I go. have no problem wow. uh, paying oh, back nice. a few of those dollars. But, uh, she could sit a really good trip. It would be good at if there were something to, for her to run at because she really is, you know, as we saw in that race, she really does want to come from back. But uh, could get a, a, a nice snug inside trip from there. Bayerano was on for that win back in the Jessamine last year. So, uh, that I certainly will be using uh, California Angel as well. But, yeah, I think it's logical to use a Euro, especially with Giroux, who who may be a little aggressive. Okay. One thing I like pointing out with the Euros is, uh, and this one stacks up favorably on the class ratings that Brisnet does, uh, yeah. but maybe more importantly, as important, worth noting, whatever, uh, she has never carried less than 126 pounds. Uh, her debut was 129. Uh, the back-to-back wins were 127 and 128. Uh, I don't have any data to back it up, so I'll, I'll preface it with that. But I've always thought that was interesting. Normally, you kind of see it with some of the Breeders' Cup horses. I remember High Chaparral. I think it was coming out of the Irish champion. He carried 139 yeah. or something like that. And then, yeah. you know, of course, over here, it's 126. Uh, you know, I just think it speaks to a fitness level, which is important when you're talking about a uh, international ship. Uh, and the other thing is she's owned by Glen Hill Farm. And, and I don't know if that was a private purchase out of yeah. Ireland or she earned her way here and was always racing for them. But uh, they finished second with marketing mix uh, behind the Aiden O'Brien trained yesterday uh, in the uh, QE2 that Winter Memories was in, uh, which probably was one of the best renditions of the race period. So uh, Glen Hill likes, likes these turf fillies. And uh, it's interesting to me that they show up, uh, this one shows up and that one silk. So 
the, the reason I wasn't as bullish is, is it just seems like the Euros always get bet. They're the sexy alternative. But at 10 to 1, I'm going to be a lot more interested than <laughs> at the 5 to 1 I think she'll be. Yeah. Uh, by the way, thanks to Jim Pilars, a good, good, a great viewer of the show who we haven't heard too much lately from Jim. Hope you're doing well. Real quick, guys, on Giromantica, which is my top pick. I just want to show. Really? Now I'll tell you I hate your pick. Okay, that's cool. That's no problem when she upsets the <laughs> field. That, as the other been chatted, beaten by the other she upsets the field as the other chat at 9-2 to two ad, we'll tweet each other and see what happens. He's, she'll he's she'll upset me, and... that's for sure. He's been beaten by the other Chad too many times. He says, "Damn have. it, I'm." I'm I, I do have a little good. other. I do have a little other Chad whiplash. I will readily admit that. But guys, she won last time nicely. This horse cost a million dollars, and the last race, I think you got to watch. We're just going to watch, you know, the turn. Giromanza got a bad trip. She's the twelve. This was a very slow pace, guys, and she made a big middle move. You're gonna, I'm going to go a little bit forward because we're running out of time here. She's right here, guys, in, in the Brant. This is a look at this 49 and two making a very big wide move like into the sixth path into the worst, you know, into the fastest part of the race. And she's all the way out here. And the number four, which was um, uh, the other Chad, coincidentally, um, the Clarevich horse wins this race. But I really like the way she stays on. I mean, she could have easily finished third, fourth in this race, but she's trying very hard after not getting a great trip. I really like this effort. I think it's underrated, guys. And yes, McCulloch is absolutely the horse to beat. I'm not gonna. I'm not saying anything, you know, uh, that people don't know. But you know what, guys? I think Geo Romantica is interesting. It's Pratt. He's going to save ground. I think she is probably a better closer than California Angel, in my opinion. I could be wrong. I don't know. Guys. Oh, I, whoa, 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 whoa! We'll find out. Geo Romantica is a better yes. closer than California Angel. Yes. Do you want to pull that Jessamine up so I could have a Oh, I saw happy... the Jessamine. The race fell apart last year. I saw it. <laughs> anyway, well, I'll just say this as we move on. The the, the Craig Mulkowski of time form, oh, the okay. late pace rating for California Angels, 96. And for G. Romantica, a Romantica is 95. If you believe in Craig Mulkowski's numbers, they're about the same. And I think G. Romantica might be classier. So I like California Angel. I just like the two more. So. Go ahead, Paul. You can retort as I move on to the last. No, question. I, I, no, I, I. Look, you got Pratt on the other Chad, and and you know, <laughs> although in this case, if 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 there is such a thing as if you want to try to get in Chad's head, obviously this six means an awful lot to him. It's named after a woman who was his first employee when he went out on his yeah. own as yeah. a trainer. You know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, and and I read has ridden the horse uh, the last. What three times? Uh, yeah, I, I just think that Ed pointed it out. I, I think McCulloch has very good turn of foot, but I do think she's tractable, tractable enough so that she may not get caught behind one of those dawdling paces that uh, you know you have the favorite. You say, "How the hell did they let him go around that slowly?" So, yeah. uh, but I will look forward to California Angel going by Gia Romantica in the stretch, Ed. Paul, I think so. Paul, I'm feeling a little sidewager. We'll have to talk at Oh, show. a people's bet we used to call. A little them heads up. A little track. heads up. Um, <laughs> oh, that's not really fair because California Angels can be ten to one and the two is gonna be four to one, but we can still make we can figure it out. Um well, you, Ed, let's you, call you, can the, the, you can give them the inside outside and you get the, the two. We could. That would be interesting. 
Uh, Paul, we'll have to discuss that. Um, let's get to the last race, Ed. We've got a few minutes here, and then we're going to show our pick five, and then we'll let you go. We really appreciate being on the show tonight, Ed. You always offer fantastic insight. We'd love to have you back, of course, again. You're going to try to feast on this pick five be, with feast in the in the closeout leg, two to one, Bennett and Saez. Um, this horse is really good and really fast, six out of 16. I'm assuming this is the single that you were referring to. It is, yeah, and uh, I, I guess somewhat wish that the last couple weren't at five. Uh, I mean, not because clearly enjoys that trip and one, and and she does. She's three, or excuse me, he's three of six at the six for a long distance. So I mean, that's not a huge concern. But I coming to Keeneland, my one trepidation is okay. The last two were a little shorter now needs to see it all the way, but uh, he has uh, eight current speed points. And I've talked about this. I do uh, some picks for the Keeneland website as well. And uh, the current speed points are just kind of a numerical measure, zero to eight of early pace, eight being a fast horse early, zero not um, typically of a closer. Uh, he has an eight. And I bring that up because uh, the top rated current horse in each race at Keeneland the last uh, four meets going into this year, and it's still held up so far this year through, uh, and I haven't calculated for today, but through the first four days of the meet, flat bet profit, uh, which A, is fascinating, and B, humbling, because you spend 20 minutes on a race, and all you would ne have needed to do over the last two years slash four meets is bet the horse with the most current speed points, and you'd be ahead. Like, literally, that's it. Uh, now it doesn't always work out that way, obviously in short term, uh, it's not going to be as powerful, but long-term it works out. It's been good. This meet, you want to be forwardly placed. He's clearly the fastest early. He can win going five. He has the three of six wins going six. Uh, I just see this horse and, you know, say, as you get complete confidence, you're going to get the right kind of ride. Uh, he has had a fantastic day today. Uh, feast all in. If he loses, uh, I'm, I'm out. Okay. I I'll tell you what I really like at. I, as you can see, and that's not a misprint to the bottom. Everyone, Paul, I told everyone at the beginning of the show, I'm going a little bit off the rails tonight with some, you know, I guess most people are going to say crazy opinions. I don't think they are, but that's okay. Uh, I do like the fact you don't that you have this horse in your top three. No, I don't. Um, I don't think there's a ton of speed in this race. And I love the fact you've got the two and nine second, third. I got the two, nine, one, two. Last thing I'll let you uh, talk about that. And we're going to move on uh, to Paul. Alexandros, I think this horse is fascinating. I'll let you talk about him. Um, I know he's seven, but he's second off the layoff. And he's a closer in a race with a ton of speed in it. Uh, you, yeah, I, I definitely have no issue with, with the age when you come back off, what is that, a eight, eight and a half month layoff yeah. and yeah. fire that kind of, of effort. And I mean, to me, that's just your prototypical speed and fade, whether it's a debut layoff. Uh, that's definitely the type of race. I, I mean, you know, I think the Vitovitz's book talks about it. Dave Litfin, like handicapping 101 is yeah. don't get discouraged when you see those types of races. So yeah. uh, I'm certainly not going to be discouraged at 12 to one. Um, now I, I did say I'm all in on feast and I haven't done all the calculations or like compiled what kind of tickets I'm going to play beyond my base ticket, which we'll get to yeah. in a moment. Um, yeah. I would say feast is probably two thirds 
of my play, um, whereas other singles I'll have on backup tickets might just be a third or a half. Um, so feast the strong single, but you know, if I'm right in the other races, uh, I don't want to get beat by Alexandros. I don't want to have this horse sitting and kicking second off the layoff and feast getting tired because he's going six today instead of five. Um, so if, if I'm connecting the dots in the first four, Alexandros will definitely be along with the nine on that so-called backup ticket, well, but uh, watch the exacto will pace too. Cause that might be an opportunity. Yeah. There's a lot of speed in this race. I like the nine. I'll just be brief in second. Uh, this horse is really good off the layoffs. If you look at the nine real carefully, he, this horse can run off the layoffs. He's run a 92 at Keelan before. I know that, you know, he, he was really good when he first came back at Churchill um, uh, at in those two starts in May and then didn't run as well. I think he's going to be on the outside stalking a horse in the seven that I'm not 100% sure is going to want the six at Keeneland. Anyway, I, I'm interested in others other than the seven. I think there's a lot of speed in here. Paul, real quick, uh, the five, you've got uh, Montauk, Daddy for Sharp and Gaffleone off the coin. Yeah, and I really looked at this as a sequence and not as five individual races. And I, I looked at it that I think if one race is going to blow up, uh, I thought it was this one. Uh, obviously, Feast, uh, Ed makes a very good case for Feast. And yeah. if if he runs, if uh, Feast runs around, uh, that's one thing. But as yeah. I say, I thought, uh, I, I definitely was of the mindset, which is why I kind of like what you did with the two, Howard, uh, that if one race was, uh, if we were going to get a, significant price in a series a sequence that i think along with ed is going to be relatively formful uh i landed here i think speaking of feast this horse is feast or famine uh has the eight wins uh, out of 31 starts does have eight other pieces but recently it's been feast or famine um again it's it's a price play i'm going to be very deep i'm four deep in the caveman ticket that i had to send to you I'll be deeper in my ABCs. Okay. I think he's interesting. I just, uh, I, I'm either going to be very right or very wrong. And you know what, Adam, I'm okay with that. I take sure. Yeah, you know, that's part of the game, right? I mean, I'm sure you've sat with, you know, Scott in the past or other, or with Sarah now and other people that you guys are just polar opposites and one person's going to be right. One person's going to be wrong. I'm using feast. He can win. Obviously I just, there are some negatives to me, but if he wires the field, it wouldn't shock me at all. Um, yeah, yeah if I if I may on that, because, uh, yeah. you know, in, when I worked at, at Brisnet, I, I sold some picks, and that's actually how um, I met Scott, is he joined our daily selections team at Brisnet, and, uh, you know, at Horse Racing Nation, I work with some people who do that. You have uh, your subscription for uh, Saturday plays, and, you know, there's some derision sometimes, like, oh, I wouldn't buy picks or so, whatever. Um I always, I always view it as, well, I don't necessarily need the pick. Like, I don't, it, it, it's not important to me, like, oh, I need who you think is going to win in every race. But when I look at a race where, let's say, I don't like the favorite and I'm already four deep, um, tossing the chalk, I like, a, you know, a few $20 horses, hopefully. And Scott likes another 10 to one that I don't have. I am not getting beat by Scott Shapiro liking a 10 to one horse when I already don't like the favorite and I'm already deep in a race. Now, in this case, I love feast. 
I'm not going to use everyone else's pick. I'm not going to quadruple the cost of my ticket because I want to cover against one of my strong opinions. But I do encourage people, and it can't be everybody, obviously. We all like certain ways people handicap or whatever. But someone like Scott, Sarah, Joe Christofek, I know the work they put in. They look at things differently than I do. And if I'm against a favorite and using a few horses and I don't have one of theirs, who is also a price that, that to me is where the value comes in of using certain products. So I, I encourage people to think beyond the, Oh, I'm buying picks and think of it more as a supplement to you already have this opinion at times they can complement it. And I, I can tell you, Scott has helped me um, make some scores that I wouldn't have had without thinking of why he likes a horse. And I don't. Yeah, you have to be open-minded in this game for sure. Um, Ed, real quick, let me read your pick five at the bottom, and then we'll bring on Jim Miller in just a few minutes. Uh, this is for appeal, of course, you can see on the screen. If you're listening at home later through our um, through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, et cetera, Ed's pick five, and I asked for around a $50 ticket, 4678 with 4711, 12, 14, with 256, with 16. With seven, Ed, you don't really have to expound on that because you already talked about your strategy of, of signaling in the end and trying to get a price earlier. Yeah, the, the only thing I would say is if the 14 didn't draw in or maybe he does and, and there's another scratch from that second leg, rather than add in that leg, I, I'd probably be looking to use the Euro in the QE2 and, and be okay. three deep on the ticket to feast. Uh, but I am I, I, when we were talking about the second leg, race seven, in my because I didn't write down what um, – my actual pick five was just my notes for the, the top three picks I gave you. Um, I'm very glad that I, I have that 12 in there because you have absolutely talked me onto that horse oh. being a must use. Oh, well, I appreciate that. Hopefully it'll come through for us. I just, I think it's interesting. Um, he really is. quickly. Yeah. Uh, Paul, real quick. Paul's four, seven with four, seven, 11, 12 with one, two, five with six with five, seven, 10, 11, 48 bucks, Paul. Yeah, my signal's Mikulik, and I also do have the 12. And now that we look at it, wouldn't it have made sense for Keeneland to swap the sixth and seventh races? I mean, they're both made in specials, but one is three and up with eight horses, uh, and the other one is a wide-open two-year-old race that we could really afford to use the board on. But I guess will, – will, Double will pays is my three words. Look, look at the will pay doubles. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, uh, so my, my opinion – the problem. My opinion My guess is, is uh, if it were race six, it wouldn't be a part of a, a pick four. So now they get the 12 horse field to start the pick yeah. four. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. That's a good point. Um, um, yeah. So oh. my, my strong opinion there, but one, one thing I'd say uh, that I like what Ed did, uh, even though I, I don't have that horse on top, uh, it drives me nuts, Ed, when people on a caveman ticket, which I typically don't play, but when I do, it drives me nuts when people say, well, I don't want a single on the end. It, it doesn't matter. You got to go five for five. So <laughs> it doesn't matter if you lose the first leg, the third yeah. leg, or the fifth leg. And if your strong opinion is on the end, then you load up in the other four and, and you know, you, you, uh, you know, pull up your, pull up your suspenders and get ready for that last race. But yeah. it just drives me nuts when people just feel psychologically I mean, I liked, I'd love to have an all in the last race every time, but, you know, the budget usually prevents it. So uh, if your opinion is on the end, as Ed's is, then damn it, single on the end. 
Um, my pick five is one seven eight with two four five eleven twelve with one four five with six with two nine. Um, if this hits, it's going to pay even with McCulloch as a single. I'm tossing out the seven on this ticket in the last race. Of course, I'm using the seven on on backups. I'm an ABC player, Ed, so I'm definitely using the seven defensively as a B or, or a C. I'm trying to go price shopping. I think this pick five is uh, fascinating, and you can really uh, get paid. At any final thoughts? Actually, Jim Miller, if you can hear me, I'm going to bring you on if you don't mind. The four of us can chat here for two seconds. Jim Miller from Hawthorne, let's bring him on. Jim, say hello to everyone, including Ed DeRosa hey, Jim. here. Hey, what's going on, guys? Hi, Ed. Hey, Jim. Uh, and speaking, I actually uh, was remiss. I left out a name. Uh, and Jim, being the the savvy operator he is, uh, picked her up for Hawthorne. But Emily Gullickson, uh, absolutely someone, if she has an opinion, um, it's making me take a second look. And, and I'm definitely including her horses uh, when I'm already deep in, in those situations I talked about. So great hire, Jim, and uh, looking forward to, to seeing what you all come up with at Hawthorne. You got it. Jim, who do you got in the QE2? Two, two oh, seconds. I'm, I'm not, I haven't even looked, so I'm not going to give you a word. All right, all right, Jim. Well, uh, Ed, we really appreciate you being on the show. Paul, My we pleasure. also appreciate you being on the show. Great. You guys, Both of you have a fantastic evening. Ed, good luck Thank to you. you on Saturday and, of course, on the Breeders' Cup as well. Sounds Take good. care, guys. We really appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Whoop. There we go, Jim. Sorry, I didn't mean to take you off. Uh, Jim, how are you doing tonight? We appreciate it. Sorry, we a few minutes late here. We got into uh, talking about the uh, great pick five at Keeneland. Didn't mean to put you on the spot, but uh, yeah. the QE2 looks like an interesting race. Speaking of interesting races, we got a race at Hawthorne that we're going to talk about. So, of course, we're here with Jim Miller from Hawthorne Racecourse. Uh, Jim does a fantastic job there and and many avenues, Jim, we talked to you last week. I got a few quick things I'd like to talk to you about. Uh, first of all, let's talk about last week. The Illini Princess Stakes, which was a turf race for the girls at Hawthorne, won by Trail Ridge Road for Chris Block. I'm going to go ahead and bring up uh, the Equibase uh, chart. If you want to just very quickly talk about uh, that really nice win for Orlando Mojica, who was in the Irons at 7-2. to two. Yeah, race. and I'll tell you, the, the thing that was really interesting about that race was the amount of pace in the race and the amount of pace that came from two horses from the same trainer, from the Barnum trainer, Michelle Boyce. She had Katie Milady in there, who was coming in off a year layoff into that spot. She also had Cat Attack in that spot. So early on in the race, the long shot lip liner with E.T. in the saddle. E.T., you know how he rides. He goes out there, he shows speed on the grass. That's what he did with lip liner early. The opening fractions were crazy for the distance, 22 and 3. Yeah. 46 and two to the half. But on the backside, Katie Milady was the one that took over and kind of kept up those quick fractions. And then Cat Attack, I think, probably moved a little bit earlier than that one should have. And when they go three quarters and one ten and one on that turf course, Orlando Mojica had to be licking his chops. He's sitting there with Trail Ridge Road, a lightly raced horse who's shown some ability, just kind of waiting, waiting, waiting. And even Chris Block said that he thought Orlando probably went a little bit earlier than he thought he would want to. But the way the pace set up, he just wanted to make sure that he avoided any type of traffic. This is a horse that came flying in the lane. All the credit in the world to Katie Milady, because again, Howard, this horse was coming off a year layoff into the spot. The last time the horse had run was last year's Illini Princess. The horse was all heart, all the way to the wire, dug and gamely to finish second. But it was a perfect trick trip for the block runner. And it kind of sets things up for block horses coming back this week in the stake, too. 
Yeah, I thought Katie me. Um, by the way, that was Hawthorne in the background. I wasn't sure how it looked, but we'll we'll fix that for next time. I thought Katie and Lady, who we talked about, ran huge off the layoff. Yeah. And there's another horse coming off the layoff again in the in the Pizza Man stakes. So it's interesting that we're going to talk about uh, that horse now. Uh, the Pizza Man stakes. I want to hear your story. What's that? Oh yeah, I we, we got it. Story. I, oh, we got it. We're, we're going to bring it on. We're going to bring it on. Uh, the Pizza Man stakes, and I have the PPs for this uh, today, uh, Jim. So we're going to show that, um, and we'll roll through the field. The Pizza Man stakes is for the boys. Illinois breads this Saturday. It's race six. It's approximately five thirteen Central Standard Time, so six thirteen approximately on the East Coast. We did get some rain here in the Chicago area, and it's co- it's cooled off dramatically. You're not going to get that real firm turf course that we've had. I'm guessing. I mean, you would know better than anyone. Maybe good. I, w- I would if I had to guess only because of the colder weather. Sure. Um, the the turf's been playing obviously very firm. How much different do you think it might play this weekend for this race? Uh, well, one of my many duties at Hawthorne is making the determination on if we're on or off the turf. So I can tell you this right now: we are already took them off for Friday's card. So that kind of tells you the amount of rain that we got. Um, yeah. The one thing that was beneficial, though, we had a lot of wind today for the Chicagoland area. We had gusts up to forty miles per hour. Yeah. So it will help dry things out. You're probably going to look at a turf somewhere along the lines of good there. So, yes, it's going to have a little bit of give into it. But this is a little bit shorter field here. You have a field of seven. And it's interesting because you asked about the QE2. The reason I wasn't looking at that race was because I was looking at the Sycamore tomorrow because another mystery was cross-centered into the Sycamore for tomorrow. So that was one of the things. I wanted to see the size of the field, where he drew, what the odds were, and kind of what the plan is. Here's the interesting thing, too, Howard. Look through the field. You have landmark deal for block. You have another mystery for block. But look yeah. at the other horse that you get over in there that's staying power through. All right. Power through the four horse. Look who the breeder, look who the owner is of that horse. Hmm. Okay. So yeah. it's it's a third team block horse in there who just recently ran. And this horse ran a very big race just last week. So I'm curious to see, are all three of these horses going to run? Are two of the three going to run? If all three run, you think about it, okay, another mystery is the class of the field. Power through is the one that guarantees your pace, which is exactly what you want, which is the perfect setup. So if another mystery does stay in this spot, to me, power through, wings it on the front end, make sure the pace is honest up front because temper tantrum's talented but has speed. And, man, it sets things up for another mystery to just come charging and run them down in the lane. Yeah, so you don't have any uh, inside info on whether another mystery is going here or if they've already shipped him out to Keeneland. Do you, do you know? Uh, no, not as of yet. I can tell you this. I mean, I spoke okay. with Chris Bach a couple of days ago, and the one thing he said, he's like, I want to make sure this is a race that goes. He's the president of the Horseman's Association. He's a big supporter of Illinois bred yeah. racing. So he has those three horses in there, two of the three. The other has been trained all season long by Mickey Goldfine there. I'm curious to see, because it wouldn't surprise me if another mystery shows up in Kentucky tomorrow. But then at the same time, okay, do you take the choice of almost what, what appears to be a guaranteed victory in this spot or yeah. the challenge of a massive field at Keeneland where you don't know what's going to happen? So I'll be curious to see. I don't know yet. I'll find out tomorrow morning. But uh, okay. they haven't made a decision yet, at least as far as I know, on where another mystery was headed. Well, check Jim on Twitter. Oh, I'm sure he'll tweet that out and talk about it. Um, I, I'm three five two in this race, assuming another mystery goes. Yep. Uh, but that that Sycamore Jim is really tough this year. It's it's very deep field. It's tough. Uh, it's obviously a bigger purse. Um, but I, it'll be interesting to see what they do. 
Uh, temper Tantrum is in very good form. Uh, he's got speed. He's only a four-year-old. If the four goes, which I'm assuming he will, he'll yep. sit off the four. But the seven's also got speed. You're in Corey. So I'm not too surprised that the sixth landmark deal, who's the other closer for Block if another mystery goes to Keelan, right? So Block sort of has everything covered. If another yes. mystery goes to uh, Keelan, he's got a speed and a closer here in the, you know, at Hawthorne. And then you've got the one. Uh, well, let's, let's talk about the two. Read the cliff notes. Another yeah. Michelle Boyce horse. This is what I'm talking about, Jim. Off the layoff, we had some really nice uh, efforts last year on the sin, on the dirt and the slop. This race, with the Peace Man race last year, as you can see on the screen there, was off the turf. If Michelle has this horse ready, why can't this horse run another big race? Uh, this horse can, and, and she kind of set the tone last week with what happened in the Illini Princess with Katie Milady, with the horse running yeah. in the Illini Princess the year before. This is almost the same exact setup here for Read the Cliff Notes. And the thing about Read the Cliff Notes is this is a horse that can run on the turf. This is a horse that can run on the main track. I think they'd actually probably prefer if this race came off the grass, but I fully expect that they would stay in on the turf as well. But this is a horse, okay. too, that's been training very well. Michelle, Michelle Boyce is exceptional with horses that are, that are coming in off a lengthy layoff. She wins at a 27% clip. So she's going to have these horses ready. She's going to have these horses that can bounce back off that long rest. The thing about this horse that was interesting, it spent the summer with her at Horseshoe Indianapolis and was working very consistently leading towards the spot. So read the cliff notes as a horse that definitely does merit a look. But like I said, I think she would prefer this race came off the turf. I honestly think Larry Ravelli would prefer with the inside horse with Richie's Got Game if the race came off the turf as well too. I don't think it's going to happen, but uh, I think that's kind of what they entered, hoping that, hey, we got all our bases covered. We can go either way. Uh, yeah, the one can do both. I just want to, last thing we're going to move on. Uh, another mystery was in a uh, in last year, the Black Tie Affair with Temper Tantrum and Richie's yep. Got Game. I'm just going to show the stretch run if you want to talk about this race. Sorry, I didn't prepare for these, Jim, but I think it's a Important to look at just for comparison purposes. The two is Temper Tantrum, the four, another mystery, and the six is Richie's Got Game. So watch the two, four, and six here in the stretch. I'm sure you remember this race if you want to talk about it real quick. Oh, yeah. Well, and the thing about it, too, which was interesting, is last year the race was at a mile. So you're going a mile and a 16th, which is going to make things a little bit different. And they didn't go nearly as quickly last year. But you're right. You're kind of looking at how things unfolded there. And the one thing that was a little surprising to me was another mystery was just kind of like waiting, 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 trying to kind of find that room. And then they had to grind things down. It wasn't that huge stretch move that you yeah. were kind of expecting out of this horse. You see some others that were digging in. Temper Tantrum was really all hard, even when this one came alongside. And Temper Tantrum, again, a very talented horse. I just don't think you're going to get that pace. I think things are going to be a little bit quicker up front early on. And that kind of changes the complexion. And like you mentioned, Howard, it's where a horse like Urine Corey may not have a shot to win the race, but kind of throws a wrinkle into the race just for the fact that, much like Lipliner last week, this is the one to kind of wing things out there. Again, keep that pace honest early on. I'm sure those connections' hopes are, oh, we, we get loose early and nobody goes with us and we steal the race. It's unlikely it happens, but I think the pace complexion of the race is going to be a little bit different this year. Yeah, and another mystery really prefer longer than, than you know, what is it, a mile and eighth this race, right? So, or is it a mile and 16th? Mile and 16th, yeah. That, and this that, race was at a mile last year, another, so. 
Yeah, that's short for him. Um, yeah. It's going to be a fascinating race. Everyone should bet it and watch it Saturday. I'm pretty, there were 99% positive, 95% positive. They'll be on the turf yeah. uh, for this race at Hawthorne. Now, the Pizza Man. This name is after this. This race is named after the Pizza Man. The first thing I want to do, real quick, Jim, is show. Uh, we have to show the Pizza Man. We're going to show the stretch run of the 2015 with sound. We get to hear the great John G. Dooley uh, with sound of the Pizza Man winning the 2015 Arlington Million. And then I will talk about uh, the story, and you can talk about Roger Brueggemann just a bit as well. Yeah. Let me just get one thing uh, set up here. I need to make sure we got sound. All right, this is the Pizza Man winning the Arlington Million 2015. John G. Dooley on the call. Shannon Cooper leads by a length. Shannon Cooper hears up with the boats coming up the third stop. Pizza Man finishing now. Big Blue Kid then charging on the outside. The Pizza Man has taken the lead. The Pizza Man on the outside. Big Blue Kid then. Chicago's about to erupt. The United Bread. The Pizza Man just won the Arlington Million. On the- wow. I, I, you know, I, I'll tell you why I'm not a big fan of that race, but. That, I'm, I'm still getting chills right now, Jim. I don't know about you. <laughs> uh, so I, I don't know if you know, Howard, I did about a six-month stint working for Midwest Thoroughbreds. Uh, yeah. So two horses very near and dear to me, the uh, the Pizza Man and Work All Week. So th- oh, wow. this is a horse <laughs> that I knew when he was your allowance horse and was just kind of coming along because my stint was in 2013. Um I, I had the race that drove me crazy, an allowance race on Derby Day at Churchill, where our choice was between do we run on the allowance, do we run on the turf and the stake? I pushed for turf stake. I lost out to the allowance. Horse clipped heels right out of the start and ran horrible, and I was throwing stuff. So after that, uh, it was one of those where, hey, it's the way it goes. But I love the horse. He's a very cool horse. Um, I have a couple of his halters that are, again, very near and dear to me. And, and he, he was just a big teddy bear. But for you, okay, you said this was – was this part of a pick five for you? Is, is that what the killer Shocking. Is? Shocking, Jim, that you, that, you, that you sniffed that one out. So, first of all, I almost saw the pizza man uh, last year. Is he still at Old Friends? I'm assuming he's at Old Friends, yep. right? Yep. So, I, I went to visit – Old Friends Farm, if you don't, if you folks so at home do not know, Old Friends is a fantastic organization and farm uh, just outside of Lexington. He's with the Stallions, and so I, he wasn't with the in the touring part, so I didn't get to see the pizza man. I would have been happy to feed him carrots. The quick story, Jim, is I'm a, I'm a big, you know, pick four, pick five horizontal player. I had six horses, six, into the pick five. Which, by the way, that day started with like a 15 or 20 to one shot. I was alive anywhere between like five grand and like 25 grand to six horses. And I have nothing against the pizza man. I just didn't think he classed up, Jim. I mean, there you had yeah. Chad in the race. You had, I mean, Ken Ramsey was was rolling at that time. I mean, I, I respected him. I just didn't think he classed up. I was completely wrong. And he knocked me out of the pit five. But other than that, the story is absolutely Unbelievable. Work all week, Breeders' Cup winner. You have been blessed, sir, with some unbelievable horses to be around for Brueggemann. Well, the cool thing about it is Roger Brueggemann was just your everyday guy. He was your everyman. He was the guy that was there early in the morning. He was the guy that made sure he was there to saddle his horses each and every day. He would sit in his truck at the quarter pole, watch these horses work all the time. 
I remember the debut from work all week, the dirt debut, because they actually debuted this horse on the turf, and the horse didn't take the turf. They went to the main track. I was out there for the race. The horse won so easily, and Chris Amy gets off the horse, and he says, I didn't even get out of first. And right then, you knew how good this horse was going to be. So the way things rolled along for him, it was very cool. But Roger Brueggemann, it was good to see good things happen to good people. That guy who worked with all these claimers and just kind of the day-in, day-out type of horses to really – you get blessed with those awesome horses and you have so yeah. much success. And he was really the guy that had the most success with the pizza man. The horse responded well to him. He responded well to the racehorse, knew exactly how to treat him, how to place him, how to get him ready for a race. So that was the cool thing about it. You weren't wrong in playing the mil that million the way you did either because everybody in Illinois loved this horse so much that 6-1 to one provided no value in the race. He probably should have been 10-12-1 to one in that spot, but was over bet just because of the love for the name, for the pizza sure. man in, in Illinois and that. But, yeah, it was very cool to see this horse win for Roger. Yeah, and it was it was a great story. I, I don't want to put a damper. It just selfishly for me, it hurt a little bit. But uh, you know, so did so did the pick six Sunday that I lost when I finished second, third, and fourth, and lost out for thirty k at at New York. So listen, life sucks sometimes. That's the way it goes with the betting. Uh, Jim, before we let you go, I'd be remiss not to remind everyone about the fantastic contest yep. at Hawthorne. We talked about it last week. We're going to talk about it every week. Uh, please explain over Thanksgiving weekend, Friday, and excuse me, Thursday, you know, just Friday and Saturday. Friday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Unbelievable live money uh, contest opportunities at Hawthorne to try to qualify for the NHC. Yeah, and that's the cool thing about it, Howard. There's 10 NHC seats on the line, and they're three different contests. So it's not something that you have to play all the way through. You get those opportunities each day. And the cool thing about it, like you mentioned, it's live bankroll. It's not an entry fee. So you get to keep whatever you make. And then the thing about these contests, too, you get to pick the track that you want to play. So we'll start early in the morning, go through the end of the West Coast track. And with these contests, people have focuses on New York. They have focuses on California, Kentucky, or right here at Hawthorne. People get to play the track that they like. And that's what makes these contests just so popular. And especially later in the year as people are trying to get those seats to qualify for the NHC you see really good fields of players come in. You were part of, of an exceptional field of players uh, just a couple of weeks ago with the Horse Players Invitational. That's what we see. We see a lot of these players come back for these Hawthorne contests. We host these contests at numerous OTV parlors too. So if you want to fly into O'Hare and go to a parlor there, you can do so over in that area. If you fly into Midway, there's parlors over there. So convenience is the key too. But yeah, you could have a good day. Even if you don't qualify, you could have a good day and get to keep your bankroll. And that's the thing about it in the end. If you're going to play 300 on the Friday, 500 on the Saturday or Sunday, just normally jump in the contest, see if you get lucky, and just kind of catch fire and get that NHCC. Well, the one contest I played, uh, Dylan Donnelly flew in from California. I've Justin Dew flew in from, you know, yep. I think Florida. I mean, people fly in from all over the country for these contests. And not only that, the 300 to 500, ladies and gentlemen, that's what you start with. There's no right. money seated into the prize pool. That is live money that you get to use. Usually in most live money contests, you know, maybe 25%, 33% of your entry fee goes to the prize pool, not with Hawthorne. So, Jim, everyone does a fantastic job hospitality is great absolutely worth your money to drive in if you're anywhere in the midwest fly in for the hawthorne contest over thanksgiving jim anything else we want to talk about this weekend of hawthorne or anything else you want to promote 
before we you know what a couple things that i want to watch when it gets colder at hawthorne watch how the track plays we have this big thick fontana rail on the main track and i talk about it all the time but people don't look the fontana rail casts a shadow on the inside path when it gets really cold out on the inside path that path especially if there's moisture holds moisture or won't thaw once we get into the winter as quickly as the rest of the track it becomes a rail highway take advantage of the biases watch the weather, watch the way the track plays there. I'll be keeping an eye on it. I always tweet about it, but a lot of times people don't pay attention. But it is getting colder now very quick. There's a chance of actually some frost tomorrow morning. So watch okay. how that track plays early on. Yeah, I, I've seen, you know, a, a, the, the track maintenance crew does a great job at Hawthorne. We're not we're not saying anything negative about that. There's biases everywhere. I've seen eight claimers at, at, at going six furlongs. You know, 21 and four, 44 and four. I mean, it can happen. So oh, yeah. you got to keep on your toes and be ready to adjust with the track condition. Uh, Jim Miller, really appreciate you coming on again. We'll see you next Thursday to talk about the next stake race and maybe some more fantastic stories. Have a fantastic weekend and uh, good luck on Saturday. You got it, Howard. Hopefully right. you hit your pick six this weekend. Uh, that, that, I'll take a pick four or pick five. That would work out fine too. Take you care, Jim. Thanks a lot. All right, bye-bye. All right, that was Jim Miller, everyone. What a fantastic show we've had. I want to remind everyone, we have next Tuesday, Matt Bernier will be right here. Matt Bernier will be here to answer your questions. Tuesday night, I'll be tweeting it out. I'll be talking about it, 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It is a purely a Q&A handicapping show. Any questions you have about handicapping, vertical, horizontal bets, you know, should you should you single? Uh, do you like turf races, dirt races? What do you do in this situation? It's completely wide open. It's not going to be Breeders' Cup centric, but I'm sure we'll talk about the Breeders' Cup as well next Tuesday evening, 8 p.m. Uh, to 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time with the fantastic and awesome Matt Bernier. For everyone that's been on the show tonight, Ed DeRosa, my co-host Paul Halloran, and Jim Miller. This has been Howard Kravitz, episode 191 of the HHH Racing Podcast. I want to wish everyone a fantastic weekend. Good luck with your bets at Keeneland and start getting ready for the Breeders' Cup. Start looking for it. It comes up in a few weeks. Take care, everyone. Have a great night. Bye-bye.